of good things to come made by the word of an oath because your father swore forever 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 you remain the same yesterday today forevermore we give all the worship to you our Lord we give all the praise the only man who all men ought to worship who all men ought to serve to follow the the lead of the angels, worshiping you day and night, never getting tired. As your glory is unveiled, as your person is unveiled, Jesus, the Son of God, the pattern son, the prototype, the work of God, the finished work of God, we worship you this morning. We command our heart, our being, our soul this morning to come and to sit at your feet. You alone who has the word of eternal life, we pray that you will cause gates to open today for gracious things, glorious things to flow, to come, and to bless us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the release of the Spirit the promise of the Spirit which has come to us, the Holy Ghost of truth of which you spake, that when he comes, he won't speak of himself. But that which is in you, he will take of yours and reveal them to us. We ask that the, the ghost, the searcher this morning, come and help us to search out of the depths. And we ask that every heart be blessed. Thank you, our Father. Oh, Lord, we release our, our, our hearts this morning. We release our hearts to be blessed. Father, to be blessed by your spirit, to be blessed by your presence. We ask that your doctrine will distill as the dew from heaven. Father, I pray as the oil upon the beard of the priest flowing down to his garment, as the dew upon the mountain of Zion, the dew of Hermon, let there be a distillation, a fall of dew. Thank you, my Father. Lord, I yield my vessel unto you this morning, I pray. Come and turn it into your own instrument. And come and take it over today. Look, Lord, not on the weakness of it. But Father, I ask that you will pour your strength in this moment into my vessel. And that you will cause my tongue to be as a pen of a ready writer that can write your spirit. Lord, upon the hearts of your people, thank you, our Father. We give you all the praise this morning. And we give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can have your seats. God's presence. Amen. You can just welcome somebody. Say, you're welcome. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shamakala bari halapatami. 
Mariesto Ramani Kailen. Offer the matter, Lord, unto be alone to step in to live with the hiders, to even unbrail, to make eye, to make heal, to even hand into the pile of doors. Shomera die the paradomi elta me stipere to viel. Sembren taiman. Aile taiman. Gelida laiman. To me helstos to pray dio predio. To pride your pet you comerentes. To mention taste your. To me el to heltios. To even height, heighten, heighten. To make you heightens. Heighten. To heighten you. Even to heighten. For to make you hate to hate to take you up and to raise you up. For I'm here to raise you up. For I'm here to raise you up. And to bring, to bring you, 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 to bring you up, to bring you up, to bring you, you, to bring you up, to bring you up, for to bring you up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Sherry Batano. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Do you have the interpretation? No? Okay. Amen. For I'm here to bring you up, said the Lord. For this is a time of raising you and equipping you. For there is a higher conversation. There's a higher way, a higher walk, which you ought to be equipped to come into. For this is a time of the equipment, even the release of the equipment, the release of the equipment of the Spirit, for the Spirit is come. Yeah, the Spirit is come, for these are the days of the fulfillment of that prophecy, when it said that in the latter days, that in the last days I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, for this is the time of the pouring out. This is a day of the outpouring. This is a season of the outpouring. This is the time of the outpouring for yeah, the Spirit is being poured out from on high. The Spirit is being poured out from on high. The Spirit is being poured out from on high. For help cometh. Help cometh. Help cometh. Help cometh. Help cometh. Help cometh from your Lord. Help cometh from your Lord. Help cometh from your Lord. Help. 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 Be helped. Be helped. Thank you, our God. Father, we bless your name today. We receive help from heaven. Thank you, Jesus grace to be helped above limitations, above our formation, above our nature. Thank you, God, we receive in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask this morning, open the doors of glory, Lord, for us. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory to God, Matthew chapter 5. Praise the Lord.
Amen. Matthew 5, are you there? If you're there, say amen. amen. Praise God. Okay, let's, let's go. It says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and, and when he was said that his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for, for they shall be called the, the word, the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is what the, the kingdom of, of heaven. Praise God. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets, praise God, which were before you. Amen. Father, we thank you. Um, verse 10 again, the blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Same as verse 3. Verse 3 said that blessed are the poor in spirit, for, for theirs is what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. Uh, let, let's move to chapter. Okay. Chapter 6. Say Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Amen. For let's read verse, verse 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. It says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Praise God. I'll read that again. It says, lead us not into temptation, for, but deliver us from evil, for, for thine is the kingdom and, and the power, and what? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we bless your name. Praise God. So this was the prayer of Jesus. Am I correct? 
Now, we thought, we, you know, Jesus was, was the... Jesus was the first teacher of the kingdom. Right? Before Jesus came, um, there, was no, there was no access into the, into the things of the kingdom. Am I correct? So, so Jesus, even though John, like we were seeing, John was able to perceive the kingdom, um, we, through John in, in scripture, we understood that he was actually able to hear the sound of the kingdom, which he echoed, right? But he could not give the sight of the kingdom because except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, in Acts chapter 1, he was speaking about Jesus. He said, the former traitors have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the disciples, the apostles, which he had chosen. Praise God. So, so the commandment which he gave to his apostles was express commandment through the word, through the word, Holy Ghost, amen. And to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the word, to the kingdom of God, amen. So Jesus in that time was, was speaking of the word, of the things, which means he continued the same order of speaking that he had before he, he died and he resurrected. When he came back, he began to speak of things that pertain to the world, to the kingdom of God, praise the Lord. Um, but verse 2, he says that that day when he was taken up, that he was taken up not until after he had, through the Holy Ghost, given commandment unto the apostles. Now, when they say through the Holy Ghost, I don't think they are saying Jesus wasn't speaking by the Holy Ghost before that day. I'm sure he was speaking by the Spirit, because in John, he was telling them that the Spirit is with you now. And I'm sure he was speaking about his own carriage and his own embodiment um, and usage Praise the Lord. And the presence of the Spirit that was with him. Praise the Lord. Now, but here is saying that, that he gave them commandment through the Holy Ghost. So this is an emphasis, right? That what it means here, I believe, was that this was an express instruction or express commandment that pertained, that came out of the out of the express direction of the Spirit. Praise God. Now. Jesus, as a man, he was hearing this, his father, but, and he was also hearing the spirit. Praise God. He was hearing his father, and he was also doing what? He was also hearing the Holy Ghost. So the, when they say, he, through the Holy Ghost, gave a commandment, what they are telling you is that this commandment of the Holy Ghost, what he said were things that actually pertain to the, the jurisdiction of the spirit, right? I, I, I'm not sure, even though, let's say, one of the things we know that is under the jurisdiction of the spirit was the, 
the production of the written word, that, that the Father in the Godhead, he apportioned that job to the Holy Spirit to go and inspire the means through which the written word, which we, we have as the scripture now, will comfort. And that operation included all the things that needed to happen to create the record that the scripture should carry. And also what you know about the scripture in terms of how it will come together, praise the Lord, to present what is the, the truth that is in God, that the Godhead wants to share with man, praise God. So, so this commandment of the Holy Ghost, amen, I believe it's the same thing that they were speaking about when they continued in verse 4. Praise God, because they're telling you unto the day that he was taken up after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments. So after he gave commandments, he was taken up. Praise God. And um, then when he goes to verse 3, and he says, being, as, being seen of them 40 days, and then speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom, then verse 4, and then being assembled with them, commanded them. So this commanded them in verse 4 is the commandment he spoke about in verse 2. Do you, do you agree with that? Because this commandment are the things that he said by the Holy Ghost, right? Just before he was taken up to heaven. Amen. So, and then being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he that ye have heard of me. So he commanded them. So at that time, when he was about to leave, Holy Ghost said, wait. I know you've talked about everything, but there's one more thing you need to do. You need to give this guy's commandment concerning me. Amen. So he commanded them expressly by the Holy Ghost, right? It's, what they are telling you is that it was a thought of the Spirit that came into the mind of Jesus. It was the Holy Ghost who was actually commanding this commandment. Praise God. That, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said he have heard. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And they therefore were come together. When they were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And then he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in his own power, praise God, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight, praise God. So this was a this was a Holy Ghost moment, I believe. I, I also believe that even the question that they asked him was also a Holy Ghost question. Even though the question might have come out of their, their own perception and understanding of the time and the season, because at that time, what was paramount in their, my, their heart or their mind was the kingdom. So after Jesus had spoken and spoken and spoken about the kingdom and it was time for him to leave and he said, okay, don't depart, praise God, for you will be baptized with the what? With the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now, 
the question they asked was not out of place. You, you understand me? It wasn't out of place in the sense that for them to ask this question, it means that the thought of the kingdom was paramount. Right? When Jesus had been teaching about the kingdom, he has been saying things about the kingdom. So the, the thought of the kingdom was paramount with them, but there was a, there was a gap in understanding of that of what the kingdom is all about. Praise God. So you can see this moment, it was a Holy Ghost moment. It's also a kingdom moment. So anytime there is a true moment of the spirit, when you, the way you can tell that the spirit is actually, the Holy Ghost is in operation, is when the conversation of the kingdom begins to arise. Praise God. I mean, if the hearts are conditioned to have that kind of conversation, which by God's grace Jesus did, he was able to condition them to come into some kind of consciousness of the kingdom. But then they asked, okay, will you at this time restore again the kingdom for, to Israel? And then he said unto them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had what? Put inside in his own power. Praise God. So, this is speaking of times and seasons, amen, which the Holy Ghost has put in his own power. This time and the season, sometimes we thought this thing was talking about the day of rapture. Praise God. So, we thought that Jesus is saying, you can't know that day. But, you, you know, Jesus even spoke concerning that too, that, that hour he said, no, it's no man. Praise God. Um, but here, he's talking about times and season that the Father has put in his own power. That word power is not, he's talking about God. We know what the power of God is. His power is actually his Christos, the, the Christos of God. So in the Christos of God, there are times and there are seasons. In the Christos, and the, the times and the seasons in the Christ of God has to do with the kingdom. Praise God. Am I making sense to you? Because why would Jesus say that in answer to a question about the restoration of the kingdom? He's saying that, so, the, so it means the kingdom coming will have to do with the what? The power of God. Amen. The kingdom coming will have to do with what? The power of God. And there are times and seasons in that kingdom. Now, you now say concerning that power, there you will receive that power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, okay? And you shall then be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and where, and unto the uttermost what, parts of the earth. Praise the Lord. So it says that so you will receive power. The receiving of power comes after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So the Holy Ghost coming upon you, amen. Um, I'm seeing it not just as the release of the baptism of the Spirit, the feeling of the Spirit. Um, I'm seeing it more of uh, a takeover of the spirit. 
the Spirit coming upon you. Amen. The Spirit what? Coming upon you. The Spirit, when it comes upon you, then you begin to receive what? You begin to receive power. And then that power has to do with the kingdom. It has to do with what? With the kingdom. Amen. So in the Lord's Prayer, the, the end of the Lord's Prayer, it says, that for thine is the kingdom, when we're reading in Matthew chapter 6, praise the Lord, for thine is the kingdom, verse, verse, what verse is that now? Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for what? For thine is the kingdom and the power. Do you see that? For thine is the word, the kingdom and thine is the power, and thine is the glory for what? Forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, the kingdom, the kingdom, thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power. Amen. And thine is the glory. Let's see again that Acts. Praise God. Acts chapter 1, amen. So, that, when it says thine, it's talking of a possessive, it's a possessive word, right? In, in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, it says, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Praise God. So, that word, oh, you see own power, right? And then you see thine, for thine is the power. Thine is the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Thine is the power, and then thine in his, his word is the, glo- in, is the glory. Praise God. So, so it means that the, the, in the, you see the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We've seen that the, the, the power, of course, is the power of the kingdom, right? And then the glory is also what? The glory of what? Of the kingdom. Now, in the power of the kingdom is where they kept the signs and the seasons of the coming of the kingdom. So, until you access the power of the kingdom, there will never be an interpretation of the sign and the season for the restoration. You know, this restoration or or what it brings, the bringing back of the kingdom is what, that was the subject of the Lord's Prayer, praise God. Because he said to them in Matthew 6, and on this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Then he says, thy will be done as it is. So what they were asking Jesus was here was that this prayer that we have been praying constantly, that at what time will this prayer be answered? I know they were thinking about the kingdom in terms of Israel and the natural because they didn't understand the meaning of the prayer. But nevertheless, because this was an inspired answer by the Holy Ghost for the purpose of Scripture, I'm sure Jesus was inspired to give an answer that is an accurate answer, praise God, concerning the times and the seasons of the kingdom. So what what it means here is that you won't, until you come into the 
the, the power of the kingdom, you will not come into the revelation of the signs, or the times, sorry, and the seasons. Praise God. There are times and the seasons of the kingdom. Or these are, that means the times and the seasons of God's dominion, which can only be revealed, praise God, by the power of God, the ministration of the word, the power of God. Now, the kingdom has two things in it. Kingdom mainly has two things in it. It contains power and glory. Praise God. Kingdom contains what? Power and glory. Really, kingdom contains glory. But you need the, the power of a kingdom is the access to the kingdom. Right? It is the power. When I say access, I mean um, the power of the kingdom is the, the way that the kingdom, you can, the way you interact with the kingdom is through what? The power of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The way you do what? You interact with the kingdom is through what? The power of what? Of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, the purpose of power is for equipment. Now, when you're thinking of power as in terms of um, how it relates to you, right? when the power of a kingdom is actually, you are beginning to access the power of a kingdom. It is, the power is the equipment for the glory. The power is what? The what? Is the equipment for what? The glory. The power is the equipment for the glory. Without the power, you cannot access what? The glory. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Without what? The power. You cannot do what? Access the glory. Without the power of a kingdom, you cannot access the glory of a kingdom. To come into the glories of the world, you must access the power of the world. Praise God. So it means that for a soul to come into dealings with glory, that soul must have been made powerful in the matters of that dominion or the dominion to which that glory pertains to. So most of the, 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 the times and the seasons of the soul Praise God, it's, it's used for the working of power, for the acquisition of glory. Amen. The, the, the administration of times and season for a soul is for the working of power, for the acquisition of what? Of glory. For the acquisition of glory. Amen. Amen. Am I making sense somehow? Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, 
power, most of the time of our soul that our soul has been spending in the world has been for the acquisition of power, for a glory. There is a glory that the enemy has sworn that they must wear on you. Praise God. It is, so every time you are alive, there are powers working towards you for, to put a glory upon the soul because the soul is actually a vessel that was created. It's a, the soul, the nature of the soul, it's the soul hates nakedness. The soul does not want to be naked. It's actually a nature of the soul. God made the soul that way. That when the soul detects nakedness, it looks for a covering. It looks for something to cover it. That's what happened in Eden. Do you remember when after the scene, eyes were open? Amen. And when eyes were open, they began to perceive their what? Their nakedness, and they immediately sought for something toward to cover them themselves. And so, man, and that scene of Adam, they call it the original scene. That original scene was the, the trigger of the, of the restlessness of man. Right? God, the trigger. God had actually, when God created man, God already wore a glory upon man. And what man was supposed to do was to begin to be transformed from glory to glory. For man wasn't, he didn't put the eternal glory on man from the beginning. Praise God. He didn't put the eternal glory on man from the beginning. But he, praise God, he, there was a glory of the first man. Adam. Praise God. Now, the glory of the first man was a glory that God, God put in him, and that glory was actually meant to be exchanged for a higher glory. But Satan came and, and, and did what he... He, he, op- he, he, he tampered with the, with, the, with the glory of the first man. How did he do that? The way he removed the glory of the first man is by changing, exposing him to a different operation of power. Right? A different operation of power is what broke the, the seal of glory that was upon the soul of Adam. And, and when you break the glory, you, you op- remove the glory the soul begins to, you can lure the soul out. Amen. You can do what? Tempt the soul. You can bring the soul. You can send the soul on a journey. The soul can begin to fight. Because why? Because of the feeling of nakedness or the feeling of, of, of being naked, of not being covered. Are you getting, are you getting what I'm saying? So, it's the is the power, it's called the power of Satan, according to what Jesus told, told um, Paul, am I correct? In Acts chapter 26, amen, that, act, that he, he wanted to deliver him from the power of Satan, 
unto God. Amen. The power of Satan unto God. Now that power of Satan is very clear. The power of Satan is the world. Right? That the thing called, this thing called the world is the power of what? Of Satan. One of the, the main, the promise behind worldliness is glory. If the world did not have a promise of glory, nobody would be worldly. Amen. If the world did not does do what? Have a what? Nobody will be worldly. That word glory. And when you think of glory, think about it this way. Don't think of, ah, I want to be shine and be glorious. Don't think about that. That's an element of glory. But the real meaning of glory is actually a covering. To cover, to shelter. Glory is actually a shelter. Glory means many things. Amen. But glory is also is a shelter, is a covering. The, the soul wants to be, the soul wants to be sheltered. No soul wants to be without some kind of covering, some kind of wearing. Praise God. So the nature, the glorious nature is a covering nature. Praise God. You remember in the book of um, Exodus when the Lord told Moses, where we read it, where he was told him to, to build the ark, to build the cherubims and the ark. Praise God. And even in the book of Hebrews, where they were referencing that work, they spoke about those cherubs that were built as the cherubims of glory. Then he said the, the cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Am I correct? Praise the Lord. The cherubims of glory doing what? Overshadowing the mercy seat. So cherubims of glory they overshadow. To overshadow means to cover. It actually means that they are covering. They have a covering nature over the mercy seat. Amen. Yeah. In Ezekiel chapter 28, when he said, take up a lamentation, here's the word, king of Tyre. He said, thou art the anointed cherub that covered That was the first word they used for him, that you are the cherub that cover it. So, of course, the cherub is a glorious entity, right? It's a creation of glory. The word cherub is hard to trace the meaning of the word cherub. But certain meanings are, you see, you see blessing. So we interpret cherub to mean blessing. Praise God. Or a covering, a covering entity. Amen. So a cherub is, a cherubic nature is a nature that is married to glory. Uh, do you understand that? It's a, it's a glorious nature. The nature of a cherub is what? A glorious, is a glorious nature. Covering. So, so that cherub, that angel is actually a glorious work. He is a glory. He is fabricated out of the, the, the realm of the glory of God. That him, for those cherubims to overshadow the mercy seat, you know that that place where they overshadow is the place of the glory. It means that they are one with the glory. Right? Without one, being one with the glory, they can't be in that place of the glory. 
Am I making sense to you? Praise God. So, so the cherub, Satan, that cherub is actually the, is a glory. Glory is also promise. So to any soul that has not yet been made glorious, when he cites a glory, every glory manifests as a, as a promise to a soul that has not been glo- made glorious. Praise God. And the more glorious the promise, the more potent, the more powerful the promise is. So if you take the pursuits of men, the things that men look after, look for, the things they go after, if you resolve those things, so those things are actually, they are actually portions, materials, from the nature of a glorious spirit that allows things to descend to men. And when it, it comes down, men see it. Ah, this thing is nice. This is lovely. I want to go for this. Are you getting me? But those things are actually materials that came out of who? Out of a cherubic entity, the nature of a word of a cherub. So, anything that seems like, a, that seems promising to your soul, be careful about it. The reason why your soul jumps out at a thing is because that thing gives the soul a feeling, a promise of some kind of covering, some kind of satisfaction. Amen. Are we making sense to you? Praise the Lord. So, so the... The kingdom, say king, son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyre. The king of Tyre. And he saw that the king of Tyre is a cherub. So the cherub is a king. That word king means that he is actually the, is an embodiment of a dominion. So he embodies the glory of the dominion. That's Satan. The devil. He embodies what? The glory of a dominion. His own rebellious dominion. He embodies the glory of that dominion. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, that glory is so powerful. The glory is so strong. He is so glorious. Amen. Is what? Maybe you've not heard Satan described like that before. He's so what? He's so glorious. His glory beats the imagination. It, his glory, his glory is beyond. You can't just summarize it. His glory wows the soul. The glory, I mean, it's when you see his glory. When you see his glory, his glory overwhelms. His glory actually does what? His glory overwhelms. It's when his glory is open, when his glory is showing, when he's showing his glory, men cannot stand. Men don't have the frame 
to withstand the glory of the cherub. Men don't have the, the building, the capacity to do what? To withstand his what? His glory. In the book of, in that same Isaiah, Ezekiel, praise God. Let's just read just a little. Amen. Are we, are we ready today? Praise God. Okay. In, in, Ezekiel, in Isaiah, they spoke about him. Isaiah also was able to see him, right? And was able to speak about, more about his judgment. Praise God. In Isaiah chapter 14, let's read Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verse 12, praise the Lord. Amen. Isaiah 14, 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, right, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which deeds what? Weaken the nation. So, is, he did what? Weaken Verse 16, and they, shall, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did what? Shake kingdom, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. So all the king of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory. Every one of them in his own house. Praise God. So you see that strength of weakening the nations is by, of course, to weaken takes an operation of power, right? To weaken the nations is actually an operation of power, of his power, which is from his glory. It's his power, which is what? From his glory that causes, that brings about weakness of the nation. So, as he spread himself, amen, when as he spread himself as a covering, that was spread means he opens up himself over the nation. He begins to bring about access to power. Amen. You know, when that power, every power that works on a soul to, to bring forth weakness, it also raises his strength. Right? Every weakness is a strength. Praise God. Every weakness is what? A strength. When you see, when you weak, a man is so weak, I'm so weak, I cannot stand up, I am lying down. And so he lies down there for hours because there's no strength again. You go and lie down there for that long, you cannot do it. You discover that it takes power to lie down. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes power. Are you getting me? Like my little daughter, I know that there's one power she doesn't have. Power to stay still. I say, come, let me carry you. She doesn't, she will, she will come and then, oh, daddy, and then you'll hug me. 
the hug doesn't last one, maybe 90 seconds. After 90 seconds, no, not, what happened? No more what? No, she's very, she's powerless when it comes to staying in steel. The greatest, you know, we, we, don't, we hardly beat her. We just discovered that we don't need to beat her when she does something very naughty. Just tell her, sit down there. That's all. Go and sit. Go and sit. That's it. You have destroyed. You have. You are, that is persecution. You will see wailing, crying. Why? Just sitting down. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see that? So, so this weakness of the nations is not, when, to, when you weaken the nation, it's not that the nations are now weak, they are not doing anything, they are just, no. Weakness is a strength in one dimension, is weakness. When Paul was praying, when he said, due to the abundance of revelation, they sent, sent to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. He said, because of this, I saw the Lord three times. And he said unto me that my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made Powerful in what? Amen. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is what? Will be made perfect. So in your weakness, as you are getting weak, my own strength is, get, is, make, is becoming what? So when you have little of my strength, you are not weak. You are powerful. When you are strong... I am I in you. I am weak in you when you are strong. In order for my strength to be perfected in you, we have to weaken you. So you're seeing that in the soul, there's, an out, there's a playing out of dynamics of strength. strength. When you lose strength here, you gain strength on the other side. When you lose on the other side, you gain, praise the Lord, on the other side. Praise God. And the purpose of, see, that strength is for dominion. When dominion is established, it's when strength has been perfected. When the, the, the perfection of strength, praise God, is when strength is perfected, that's when the realm of glory, a thing that is learning to be strong, is not yet glorious, it's powerful. At a level. But when glory begins to emerge, glory emerges when there is flawlessness of strength. When strength becomes flawless, then glory emerges. Are you getting me? In glory, there is no, there is no suggestion of, de- of defeat. There is no suggestion of weakness in glory. Once you see a sign of weakness, glory disappears. Even though that thing still has much strength, it just, once you sight a little sign of weakness, glory disappears. So for the cherub to be glorious, there are things about the cherub that makes him glorious. That's what Ezekiel chapter 28 was describing. Let's read Ezekiel chapter 28. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ezekiel 28, amen, verse 12. It says, 
Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, fool, say, say fool, of what? Wisdom. And then what? Perfect in what? Beauty. Say, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle and gold, and workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of what? The stones of fire. Verse 15. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created until then iniquity was that what was found in thee. Praise God. So you're seeing the um, perfection in, in all ways. That's what glory is. Glory has to do with perfection in where? In all ways. Perfection in what? All ways. Now, but, but, but of course, to God, he's not glorious. You know what I mean? Now, why is he not glorious to God? When God looks at him, does God see glory? God doesn't see glory. Why is he not glorious to God? Why the feeling that he gives to men, the way he, he overpowers them and everything, why doesn't God feel that when God is coming? When he is coming? Why? Iniquity. Who found iniquity in him? Who's that? Now, of course, the angels who he deceived did not find iniquity in him. Why? Because they didn't have the sight to see the iniquity that was in him. When they look up, because he was coming from up, he was their covering. When he was coming, all they would see is his glory. But the one above him, he seen, he found iniquity in him. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing that? So it takes height to sight weakness in a glorious entity. So now when he, of course, he had, the world is also a product of, of his glory. Amen. On the world, he has, the, he poured the anointing of his, of his own glorious anointing upon the world. Amen. That's why it's difficult for souls to find Fault with the world. Any soul that can find fault with the world is powerful. Praise the Lord. Do you see that? To be able to find, to be able to find fault in an entity of glory. You can't just, when it's coming to you, it means that there must be something inside of you that can see beyond its glory. It's a strength you must have to not be slain by the glory. Amen. It's a strength that you must have to still, because glory actually, when you see how glory operates, glory, glory emanates power, right? And that power, power is actually an intoxication. Right, it's an intoxication. It's the power of the glory that, that, that travels into you and walks on the, on the depth, on the inside, ministers to the depth and 
opens up its cup, praise God, and pours wine. And then it's through the wine that you receive, that's how you begin to see, oh my God, this thing is beautiful. This thing is awesome. This thing is glorious. That's why you cannot go and tell somebody who is under the spell of a dominion or under the spell of a glory. Hey, can't you see this thing is not making sense? You are wasting your time. <laughs> Praise God. You can't go. You can't just go and tell somebody, Claire, somebody who is drunk, you can't go with your logic to tell them with clear eye. Can't you see there's a problem here with this thing? They can't see it because there's something on the inside of them. They are drunk, praise God, with the wine. The wine of glory is power. Do you see that? The wine of what? Glory is what? It's power, power, power. There are Christians that you cannot do anything to make them see there's something wrong with the world. You, can, you will try all you can. They can't see it. It's because of how much of drunkenness that they have received on the inside. Am I making sense? Yes, sir. Amen. So, so it's very clear that glory, glory is a, involves a veil. Right? Glory involves what? A veil. Glory involves a veil. And the administer of the minister of veil is power. The minister of veil. What I mean is that what casts a veil is power. Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, let me explain a bit more. What makes you what makes a soul unable to detect something that's there is because a veil has been put. Am I correct? So, this, when they say the, you who weaken the nation, what weaken the nations is what a power, right? And what makes the nation weak is their inability to see the state. Let's go back to Isaiah 14. Let's read it again. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So in this Isaiah 14, you see this, this, the topic here, what they are discussing is actually his fall. Am I correct? His fall. So, you'll see verse 9. Say, hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It's stirred up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. Are you getting me? And they, they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? So this is fall. This is not talking about when he fell from heaven to earth. Praise God that time. When he sinned. This, this fall is talking about a fall that will occur. When he is pulled down. When he is destroyed. When he is broken and cast down. Now, when he is cast down, what actually will fall is the operation of his power will be broken. Now, when the power is broken, the glory ceases. The glory ceases without power. Power is the framing 
Power is the, is the foundation of power is actually the foundation that glory rests upon. When you remove the foundation, glory cannot stay without the power. Same thing with God. He said the foundation of God standard sure, right? That foundation of God is the power of God. Am I correct? Which God comes upon. God is glorious. When you hear God, God means the aspect of, the, of deity that carries the glory. The glory of divinity. Are you getting what I'm saying? It rests on the power. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So, so, so the nations, this, these nations here, they, these are speaking of kings too. These are kings of the earth who were weakened by his power and weakened by his dominion. But then in a season when he falls, they will now begin to see him. They shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we are? Oh my God, art thou become like us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials and the worm is spread under thee, and the worms will cover thee. Praise God. For thou, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did what? We king the nation. Amen. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the height of the cloud. I will do what? Be like the most. Okay. Now, you see, this thing here, we know this is, this is talking about his conversation. Ascend, I will, I will. This is conversation. Of course, it's the same conversation that brought him down in the first place. Right? It's the same conversation. It's the same. But he hasn't stopped saying this thing. For every soul that, when, the first time he saw Adam, this is what he said. Because, you know, that to Adam's soul, there is had an, had a perception of heaven. Amen. There was an alignment in Adam's heart in terms of the, the place that heaven sits, the stars of God. Praise the Lord. You know, these stars of God here are speaking about the realms of principalities and powers. They are the stars. If you read the book of Revelation, when the stars will fall, it's from that realm. Amen. Then he now says, I will exalt myself. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. That mount of the congregation is the second heavenly dimension. That's the realm of, of spiritual wickedness. Praise the Lord. And then in the sides of the north, he now said, I will ascend above the what? The height of the cloud. The height of the cloud means the glorious realms. Amen. I will be like the most high. So what he's saying here is that to every soul, Apart from, let's say, he said it when he fell. Now, we're talking about to, our, to every soul. This is his, when, this is the, his what? Vision, mission statement. <laughs> I pray you understand that. This is his what? Mission statement. His mission statement is this. Be like the most high. Book of Second Thessalonians put it this way, that he will sit in the temple of God as God. He, will, he wants to sit as God in the temple. Are you getting me? He want, so what, what he wants is to, the, 
let the, the heaven to a soul be full of him. Let him be the, are you getting what I'm saying? He wants to gain ascension in a soul to be the heaven. When a, the way, you know, a soul should open and respond to heaven over them. The heaven is a covering. Every soul has a heaven upon him. The heaven is a covering for the soul. Is that heaven is actually where the glory, if you think of the glory of creation, if you want to see glory, go out and look at the sky. When you look at the sky, the works you see in the sky, there's nothing, you, nowhere you can see such a thing upon the earth. There's nothing as glorious as the firmament, right, on the earth. When you look, every time you go, what you saw the last time is not what you see again. You can never see the same picture, ever. Nobody has ever captured the same picture of the firmament because of the the nature of the glory, the, the riches of glory that you see in the firmament. Are you seeing that? So, so in, the, in the spiritual dimension, Satan wants to be that to his soul. He wants to be that. He wants that. So what he, means, what he wants is that when rain is falling on his soul, the rain that's coming should be from him. He should be the heaven. He should be the firmament. He should take over all the realms above. The, the soul, and let him be the one. You know how God causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust? Let him be the one who reigns upon men. Are you getting one? <laughs> so this thing is, because he, he, has, he's, he's, he has understood things, you know what I mean? He knows, that, he knows that God's mind is not in that current heaven where God is, is. He knows that God's heart is not in that heaven right now. He knows it's just a matter of time. That heaven will, be, will pass away. The book of Hebrews, like a garment, like a vesture, he will fold it up and he will roll it away like a vesture. Just a matter of time. You think he doesn't know? He knows that. Even all the angels, they know. They are aware of that the heaven is passing away. That's why the, the emphasis is on, they're now looking, okay, if heaven is going, where is God looking at? Right? He said that um, Isaiah 66, they said the heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. And he said, he said that, where is the house that you build? He said, all these things have my hand made. Praise the Lord. Where is the place of my rest? Then he said that, unto this man will I look as a broken heart, with a contrite spirit, a heart that trembles. So, he, so Satan has said, okay, God is not really looking at this heaven. God is actually looking at men as well. So it means that man, the way... The heaven houses God. After a while, God wants to make man heavenly. God wants to make man to God wants to make man to carry a heaven. Are you getting me? God, to, because heaven is built around inhabitants. Right? The inhabitant makes, makes what the atmosphere will look like. So when you see cherubims of glory, you need a glorious place for a cherubim of glory. Do you understand me? So in the new creation, when you think of the new heaven, new earth, the new heaven and new earth, how did God decide how will he design the new heaven and the new earth? He has to check who are the inhabitants of the new heaven and the new earth. What will they look like? Am I correct? In the book of Peter, I say, therefore, having this knowing Praise God. 
that this, all these things will pass away, what manner of man ought ye what to be? In all manner of what conversation. What things will pass away? You know, the present heaven and the present will what? Pass away with a great what? With a great noise. Praise the Lord. Amen. And now said that we look for instead new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Are you seeing that now? Why will righteousness dwell? It means that the new heaven and the new earth is a place that is framed to carry the same thing that you find in the new man. The same thing that you, you should find in the new man. So you have to create a corresponding habitat for that kind of man. Am I correct? Praise the Lord. Then you see the manifestation in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Amen. He showed me a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. He said that that heaven and new earth was descending out of what? Heaven from, from God. Amen. It was descending. Then he showed me the city. Are you getting what I'm saying? That was descending out of heaven. The city was descending out of heaven. So the city is actually a heavenly city. Praise the Lord. It's a heavenly word, city, that is what? Descending out of what? Heaven from God. The city is not just heavenly. If you read chapter 21 of Revelation, continue, you know, they began to show you the, the attribute of the city. You now see similarities between that city and even the cherub, which we read. You now see that the same 12 stones, the same kind of formation, the stony nature, which we read in Ezekiel chapter 28, Say all these precious stones were thy covering. Am I correct? You see that when they began to describe the city in Revelation chapter 21, they now began to describe also the nature of the city was also stony in that way. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that speaks of the glory. When you go down in that verse, he said, he, he took me away to a high mountain and he showed me, he said, let me show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Amen. And he showed her to him and she was like a city that was descending also out of heaven, praise the Lord, from God. He said, from God out of heaven. Amen. Amen. And he said that she was having the glory of God. Let's read that chapter, verse, what is that? Revelation chapter what? Revelation 21, verse 11. Verse 10, it says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of what? From God. Out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like unto a jasper stone, clear as what? As crystals. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 18, it says, And the building of the wall of it was of jasper. And the city was what? Pure gold, like unto what? Clear crystal. Amen. So you see the crystalline nature. You see, which is also a glorious what? A glorious nature. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, this cherub, 
is the one who, who makes men weak. The way he weakens man is by the operation of his power, which his power is the world. Amen. Amen. Now, the world is, when you say, what is the world, the world, the world, the world, the world is a creation of the devil to make men intoxicated with a spirit. And the purpose of the spirit is to create a kind of blindness. Are you getting me? To create what? A kind of blindness. To, to cast a veil over men, over the hearts of men. And when you cast a veil over a soul, you have weakened a soul. The measure of weakness of a soul is how much veil has been cast over the soul. Now, this veil, I'm not talking about revelation, wisdom. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about nature as a veil. I'm not saying, talking about you can't see scripture or you don't have revelation. No. I'm talking about a nature that is a veil. Like him. Are you getting me? Like him, he, is a, he has a formation. He's actually a stature that is a veil. Praise God. In the book of Isaiah chapter 15, let's read that. Isaiah 15, if you're there, say Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's see 25. Sorry. Praise God. Isaiah 25, verse 6. It says, And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, amen, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees, well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. And he will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken, amen. So, in this mountain, he will destroy the face of the covering. This, of course, the face of the covering is the face of this cherub. Right? The, the covering that is cast over all people, and then the veil that is spread over all nations. The veil spread over all nations is a being, is an angel, right? He's actually a covering over the people. Praise God. Now, the purpose of any and the purpose of his staying there is so that his own nature can be raised in men. And when his nature is raised in men, 
the men have a veil in themselves. That is what constitutes their weakness. How much veil do you have in you concerning the things of God, concerning really the kingdom, the power, and the glory of God? So he is an entity that is raised. He, he has been, is developed, praise God, and he raises stature in people. The main goal of his work in men is to raise a veil against what? The what? Against the kingdom of God. And that veil, he can open it anytime he wants. Praise God. When I say open, I mean open it wrongly. Because you see that kingdom, there is a prototype inside of, inside of him. The kingdom that is in God. There is a prototype because he was framed according to the same pattern. But, so when he, they can, he can raise his soul a, to gain strength against God's own dominion through the pattern of dominion that is inside of himself. That's how he developed the Pharisees who gained resistance against what? Against the kingdom. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this being is a, is a veil against souls entering. So sometimes when you begin to preach the kingdom and teach the kingdom, you don't know, you don't understand why, what you're fighting against inside man. You don't know what has been, what, what the work that has been done inside man. It's the work of the world in men that fights the access and the reception of the kingdom. Amen. Is what? The work? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The amount of worldliness in you determines the amount of resistance you have against the things of the kingdom. How much deposit of the world a soul has shows how much what empowerment the soul has against the kingdom. Not every soul is as powerful against the kingdom as every other soul. Different souls have their different what level of power that they have against what? Against the kingdom. Against access. Against the provision and the release of the things of the kingdom to souls. Praise the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the world is the world is a the world is dangerous so there's a deception for souls that you can relate with the world and not have an impact 
it not have an impact on you, or you can handle the things of the world and it not have an impact on you. But it's not true. Praise God. When you look at soul, the way soul journey, anytime his soul journeys against, away from the kingdom, they are being pulled by something in the world. It is something in the world that is pulling the soul away from the what? From the things of what? The things of the kingdom. Something in the world, the world that the world is anointed with things that can pull souls away. That's why John said, love not the world or the things that are in the world. The, the world and the, the things that are in the world. The, the things that are in the world include the thoughts that are in the world. The way of thinking, the way of seeing. Praise God. The way of reasoning. The way of judging things. The way of life in the world. Praise the Lord. Whenever the soul is embracing those things in the world, you are, you are, it, that thing comes, becomes a power in you against access to the things of the kingdom. It will always fight the things of the kingdom. Praise God. Now, man was... Man was made for the glory of God. Right. Now, what man is supposed to be covered with is what? It's God's what? God's glory. That's what a soul should be sheltered with. So anytime a soul finds a place of, of comfort, a place of satisfaction, that is not God's, that is not something that came as a provision of God, then the soul is in the wrong place of comfort. In other words, that the soul is the enjoyment of things that are not things that God's glory has, has given or the things of the glory of God. The covering it gives to the soul is actually came from a, a different provision that is not the provision of God. And that thing will end up stopping the soul from Gaining what access and inheritance in the what in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Now Jesus himself was tempted with the kingdom right of the world when he was taken in Matthew chapter four, when he was taken away to a very high mountain. You remember? Praise God. He went and showed him. The Bible says all the kingdoms of the world and their glories. So you showed him kingdom and glory. Kingdom and their glory. So the kingdoms of the world and he showed Jesus their glory and said all these things will be yours if you just do what? Bow, if you just worship me. All these things shall become yours. Amen. And so that's the same temptation that we all get. Is that the, the things of the world, when we weigh them, they carry more glory. We see more glory in them 
than the things of the kingdom. When the kingdom is being described, we don't see anything glorious in it. The kingdom seems just like one theory, one hard theory that we need to, we need to learn. Praise God. But when if we now begin to describe something in the world, some way of life, we begin to describe, if I begin to describe an estate, I can pick an estate in, in the world and begin to describe it. Before you know it, the soul begins to take journey. Hearts begin to move. Joy begins to flow in the heart. People begin to get happy. And then people begin to get comfortable. Ah. When you talk about kingdom, there's this strangeness that fills the air. The kingdom. Talking about it. When you open scripture and begin to try, you're trying to bring out the kingdom from the scripture. There's a strangeness. It's strange to men. People who preach the kingdom look like crazy people. Because they don't talk, they don't speak about things that matter to men. Praise God. There's an, it creates an uneasiness. It creates what? An uneasiness because of the strength that has been raised inside of souls to tap their own, the, their own delight and the joy comes from promises of worldliness, things that the world gives. Praise God. So, that's, this is one of the reasons why in this day and time, there's no, there's no such a thing as simple, easy Christianity. If your Christianity is very simple and easy, you are wasting your time. You are wasting your time. Now, I understand for people who the, to whom the kingdom hasn't come, right? It hasn't, the message of the kingdom hasn't come to them. So it's just a, they will have their own day of visitation. There will be a time when the gospel of the kingdom will come to them and then God will judge them based on when this thing came to you, what did you do with it? Like the parable of the talent. Right? When it came to you, what did your own, they reward you according to your own time and according to your own season. It was also the parable of the workman who the man invited to labor someone in the 12th hour, 11th hour, 8th hour, 9th hour, different times. The, the time when they were invited, when they came to work, was what? Was different. But for the same reward, but the, the day of access was, was very, very different. Praise the Lord. If the guy that came in the first hour said, I'm not here because other guys are not here and they refuse to work, he won't get a reward. So why is everybody not getting it now? Why is it not? Am I the only one work? Am I the only one that will work this whole field? You get angry and then say, other people are doing their own thing out there. I'm here. Why will I be working? You will not get this reward. Do you understand that? So according to the, the day, so, so sometimes you, don't, you cannot detect the strength of the world in a soul until the, 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 doc, the world, the doctrine of the kingdom, which brings the promise of another glory, begins to be ministered to the soul. You know, I discovered that 
All men look the same until the word of the kingdom comes. Once word of the kingdom arrives, that's when Wahala has come. Trouble. You now begin to see that ah, they are not all the same. Some people love it. Some cannot love it. Why? Because of the strength of what? Of the world. What the world has done on the inside of what? Of the soul. Amen. Amen. So like I was saying, like, so Christianity today, Christianity that includes or involves the, the unveiling of the kingdom. When the sight when the sight of the kingdom comes, that's the end of Christianity as you know it. Simple Christianity. You can't go from when kingdom has been opened to you, then go back to simple Christianity. You can't, that time has gone. In your record, in the spirit, they've erased that season from you. It's no longer. If you go there, you are, you are living in, the word the, the scripture used for it is you are a transgressor. A transgressor Somebody who hasn't seen it. You can't transgress what you have not seen. You know what I mean? A transgressor means some, it's not like uh, people who are dead, they've not had the sighting. Are you getting me? You've never seen the sight of it. You don't, you've not seen the promise. You've not seen the hope. It's different. Those guys, they will have their own time. But as long as this thing has been opened to you, the season of Ah, Christianity should be simple before. Now all these things, all this, ah, what is all this? That time is over. You know why? You know why? Remember, when did the kingdom suffer violence? It's right from the time of John the Baptist. Because before John the Baptist, they did not mark violence. Were men entering the kingdom? Were men flowing? No, men were just ignorant concerning the kingdom. But it's right from the days of John the Baptist that the kingdom of God began to suffer violence. And the violent, what, does what? They take it by force. What is by force is, is, that, is that they refuse the way of entrance. They refuse the ministration of the entrance. So they begin to violate the things of the kingdom. Violence is also transgression. So you are transgressing the things of what? Of the kingdom. So, is, so what's the meaning of the day of John the Baptist? It's the day, from the day when the sound of the kingdom comes, because the day the sound of the kingdom comes, it begins, the, the, it begins to beckon on the soul to repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. From, then from repentance, after repenting, you begin to receive the sight of the kingdom, which is water and spirit. So right from the day the sound of the kingdom comes to his soul, from that day onward, the, the season has changed. Amen. So it's no longer time for the heart to relax. The heart can no longer relax. You can't, it's like when you have, they've taken you. There's work going on. The person who is at home can be at home praying for the soldiers. Praise God. Helping, send, giving money, whatever, to support the war, the war front. But when they've carried you, 
and they, they've to where they are fighting the war, and they drop you there, and they've gone, they go away. You cannot be thinking about your, your life of sleeping at home and praying for the soldier. You can't do that. Why? Because you are in what? You are in battle has started, though. It's not optional. You can't say, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not among, are you getting me? You can't, what I'm trying to say is that this truth has consequences, right? Truth has consequences. When your, when your eye has opened, you cannot go and hide and, hide and say, I don't know anything, God kingdom. <laughs> In heaven, they, you've seen it, they know. Angels know, spirits know, devil knows. What, what, that thing you know, if you don't let God use it and build on it, Satan is there to use it. How, how will he use it? You will start, you can use it, your knowledge of it, to create enmity against it. Any truth you ignore, an evil spirit will use it. After a while, that truth that used to beckon you before, after a while, just by withdrawing from it, an evil spirit will come and turn it to hatred and to disdain and even disgust against that truth. You will hate because you are aware of it. It's a matter, you have it. It's a matter, what will you do with it? You know it, it's there. You, 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 now, you know of the life. You know of the requirement of the life. It's not, a, it's not like someone who doesn't know that this life is there. You know it's there. You can't hide it. Guys who are living the life, they're around you, you are seeing them. You cannot turn your eyes away from that life. Praise the Lord. So the kingdom, the, the soul is, God designed the soul to inhabit or to receive glory and to, to put on glory. Praise God. And we know the glory that God has designed for the soul are actually priestly glories. Right? The glory which the journeying in the Way of the Lord, supposed to wear upon upon the soul. Praise God. Like today, now, let's say, a young person, like, praise God, like most of us, you. You are constantly between, especially when this world begins to open to you, and as it begins to open, you begin to see there's always a choice between two glories. What glory do you want? Which glory do you prefer? Sometimes that's a big temptation. Is it, do you want the glory of the world? Do you want the glory of the world? The glory, you know, glory of the world, it, it changes, it metamorphosizes. Gone are the days when the glory of the world is, oh, I just want to go and party, I just want to go and be free, and I just want to go and praise God. There'll be it. There are some souls that that can be glory to them. I did that, 
when you see a soda, wow, the most popular guy, whoa, where this guy is, that's where he, that's the happening place. You know, it's a, you know that thing is a glory, eh? You can wear it. Ah, you're the happening person. No. You wear it. That's one, that's on the low kind of glory. There are different kinds of glories. There are glory. Different ways of life, different parts of living have different glories attached to them. One of the, the biggest glory of our time is the glory of freedom. Being free to do whatever you want. That is the biggest idol today. And so we resist fornication, lying, cheating, stealing, and all of those things. But the biggest one now is that promise of what? Of freedom. Being able to do just whatever you like. It's not easy. You know, that thing is, that, that thing is a glory today. It's one of the biggest glory of iniquity. Iniquity, iniqu- when you see a soul that embodies that nature, you know, the nature of a, a free soul, people will begin to, ah, why can't I be like that? Oh, I wish I'm like, I wish I'm like that. You know, what, what, so the, you know, if, you know a free-thinking person, anything that happens, just internet. They have what, you know, you know the, way, the way they respond to issues are different. You know what I mean? There are people who respond to issues, you know, that they actually have something to say about this matter, you know. They are considering it. You know. But there are some guys, the way they respond to something is that they're just trying to prove to all of you that all the bondage of, you know, the way you guys think, you are still all in bondage. I mean, I'm free. I can say what everybody cannot say. I can say what anybody cannot say. I'm no longer in bondage of, I'm not sentimental. I'm not, I don't have, well, I'm free to air my mind and to air my views. I'm a free thinking soul. You can speak evil of anything. You can abuse anything. You can say what you like. You can do what you like. I am free. When you see someone like that, wow, what a courageous, courage, so courageous. You know what I mean? They sound, they question things. You know, they begin to question everything, things that you don't know about, things that institutions that have been there before your great, great, great grandfather was born. You question them. You question men, you question authority, you question institution, you question things you have no clue about. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? That is the greatest glory. People who are like that are the most celebrated in the world today. That's where the energy of the world is going to. They pour more anointing. So when you are that way, you, you, you have more glory in the world. If you're a kind of person who still has a feeling of, a sense of some things are sacred, some things are bigger than me. You know what I mean? You still have that feeling of that thing. If you are like that, this world doesn't, it doesn't, you are looked down on to be that way. 
And this is the biggest, one of the biggest problems that we have, especially to me, I feel with young people and young minds of today. So that's a huge one when it comes to the glory. Because what is the glory of the world? The glory is this. A young person, you're growing up, when you say, oh, wow, my future, what kind of life will I live? Are you gonna, is, what is the world painting to you? What is it showing to you? When you say, ah, this is the kind of life, you are seeing some kind of thing. What is, the, what is the world suggesting to you about your future? That was what Jesus was also a young man. They went to show him. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He showed, there, there, this, there's this kind of kingdom. There's the other kind of kingdom. There's the other one. Amen. You know, kingdoms are different. So, like this one I described, just this liberal, free, whatever thing. That's one kind. There can be so that will be like, no, that one is no, that one doesn't appeal to me. That's not my kind of glory. My kind of glory is the kind that, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. But um, I'm not going to do Christianity the way others are doing Christianity. You know? I'm going to do my own Christianity will be different. I'm going to approach it with a different, with a more enlightened approach. Are you getting me? You know that's a trend right now. Is it? Is it? Is actually a spirit that entered into the church right now? You know the the olden day thing of just come, let's just pray and read Bible. You know that that simple thing. It's no longer in vogue anymore. You can't, you can't talk about that. When you go to a church and say, wow, what's your testimony? When they ask you, what's your testimony? They're not asking you. <laughs> They're not telling you, come and talk about your prayer life. Come and talk about your, your understanding, your everything. They're not, they're not even asking about spiritual things. The testimony they celebrate, ah, it seems like it's testimony that, that there's a glory behind it. There's something. I get to, even each church wants to prove their own. You know, we are. We are each, each church feels like we want to prove that we are not the traditional, you know, the way people see church. It's like you want to take Christ and wear him a robe of the world. So, it's the work of his spirit. is make the things of the spirit of God not glorious. Let men go and look for other glories to come and wear it. When you ask, oh, what kind of, when you, when you think of your marriage, what kind of marriage do you want to have? You see, that type of marriage, if you are a lady, where your job is to, Serve your husband. You know, serving your husband, that's your first job. Serve him. Submit. Praise God. A long, young lady can see that thing and be like, ah, this whole thing. Is this what all the marriage is about? Is there no, kind of, isn't there a way, there's a modern way of getting married, you know what I'm talking about. Praise God. When you're even thinking of a man, 
So there's an idea of a man that you have. There's an hatred of that. There's an hatred of men right now. It's a spirit. I'm, I'm telling you guys serious things. Serious things. It's the spirit in the world. is hatred of masculinity. When you see a man, you see a terror. It's the spirit that's doing it. You see, you, oh man, man, man. So is that so? That terror, you, your part of your joy of marriage, you can't see. You know, you know what I mean. Going to submit to a terror for decades is not. It's not a vision. <laughs> your person. <laughs> Praise God. So, there, you, know, you know, there's the modern man that the world is trying to carve out. If you know how far the world has gone, to be masculine today, even just in terms of the way you dress, to be, to be masculine, even in the way you carry yourself, is a problem. It's offensive. It's like the world is we don't want men anymore. We want men who have been refined and shaped and you know, you know when, I, when you say a man just in all his manly glory the world say no we don't want that kind of man we want the one that is we want the soft spoken one we want the one that, that serves that carries everything that praise God we, 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 want, we want the one that doesn't talk that say um, have all the women spoken <laughs> And secretly, women, even Christian women, we want that's what we are looking for. Yeah. Are you getting me? And the world has done all of those things to us. It's a glory. It's a, it's a kind of glory. Because when you see it, it looks modern and all that. Why is it when anyone comes out of my house? <laughs> I don't know. My husband has his own. <laughs> He has his chores, you know, he does, we just divide it, he just does this and that. I do that. Gone are the days, man, when. I see a woman who is, who is like that. It's a glory. Ah, you mean your husband does that? Oh my God, you have. Whoa, whoa. Someone listen to this saying, ah, this guy is just because you are a man. I don't care. That's a business. A business. <laughs> this, this world is full of glories, 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 different things. Just different, 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 different things. And, and we think that those things is a spirit doing them, because he's, every every of those things he crafts 
is that it's crafting a power that if that thing is inside you, you will find that it is, it is positioned strategically to offend, to raise offense against something of what? Of the kingdom. Something of the kingdom. Every of those things that the devil raises is against a, another instruction, another commandment of the kingdom, which is contrary to that thing. So, it's good for a soul to be free of the things of the world, the glories of the world, the lust for the definitions, things which that the world has defined. Praise God. Amen. So check your heart for those things. Eh? You know that sense of independence, freedom that God has, did not give. We like that kind of thing. It's a wall. It's a, it's a picture of, of the wall. Praise God. The soul should be free of garments that God has not worn. So anything God doesn't wear on you, don't take it. Don't, don't move your soul into a, a kind of formation that the spirit did not craft. In the book of James, chapter 1, when he was speaking about the true law of liberty, right? He spoke about the true law of liberty, that he looked into the true law of liberty and is a, sorry, the, sorry, the perfect law of liberty. And he's not a forgetful hearer, he's a doer of the work. The same shall be blessed in what he does. Then he began to speak about what true religion is. He said true religion is to remember the widows and all of that. That's the first side. That's the basic side of true religion. It's the simple ones, right? Like, like when Paul came with his doctrine to the apostles. He said, thank you, give him the, they gave him the right hand of fellowship. Go and preach it. But, say, but this one thing will tell you. Do not forget who, the, the widows and the poor and all of those things. So, praise God. So those are things that are necessary. So you can't have a revelation beyond that. You know what I mean? You can't come and say, okay, now there's a higher dimension that, you know, hospitality is not needed anymore. There's a, the, the hospitality actually means something in the spirit. Now you have to fulfill and obey spiritually, not by giving. Not, there's nothing like that. So you said true religion is, starts is that. But that's the first part. And he says, but there's something else, which is the real thing. And to keep your garment, what? Unspotted from the world. So that one, is, that's the real submission of the goal of true religion. Is to, it means any religion that cannot keep your garment, the garment of your soul, unspotted from the world, is not true. It's not real. It cannot. And if you check, just... 
just religiousness cannot keep you unspotted from the world. It's not powerful enough. You'll find that true religion, the devil will be using it to wear glories on you. Praise God. You know, when he was saying that no man should beguile you from the supreme simplicity that's in Christ, you know, sometimes people would say that, ah, the simplicity in Christ so means that when you are preaching, it should not be complex. Right? It should be, there's simplicity in Christ. Why are you making things so hard? Just read it simple. Just read it. Bible reading. You get what I mean? Don't go too deep. That's not the simplicity that's in Christ. We know that Paul makes it clear. When it comes to doctrine, there is mystery. That's not where the simplicity is. It's not in the knowledge. It's not in all of those things. Praise God. The simplicity that's in Christ is in is more of the simplicity of attitude. Are you getting me? The simplicity of attitude. A, a heart that does not accept the simplicity that is in Christ will not be okay with all your Christianity being about just focusing on doctrine and learning doctrine. After a while, just learning doctrine will not be enough. Why are we doing this thing? Why aren't there other things? You know, you, after a while, you start having the feeling like the whole world is passing you. What are your friends doing? What are your mates doing? Your mates are doing things. When you're on social media, you see, wow, they went this, to this place. Ah, they visited 10 countries already. You are just here. Are you getting what I'm saying? They visited 10 countries. The other one has started a business. The other one has started this. The other one has done this. They are doing all kinds of things. You know, there's a, there's a way the world makes you feel like things are happening. You know what I mean? So, so when you see a version of Christianity that just involved, you know that olden days kind of just come and just worship and pray and, and then hear word. And keep doing that. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing that. I see how simple that thing is. That's all that's needed. When Martha felt like, when Jesus came, Martha felt like, no, we must, ah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is in our house. Jesus, we appreciate, but you see, really, really, just one thing is really needful. Just one thing is really needful. So, so the simplicity on Christ is not get, never getting tired of the one thing that's, that's needful. Never, get, never feeling like there are other things. Because when the world is blasting its glories, you will feel like something is happening there that's leaving you behind. <laughs> but there's nothing. That simplicity, no one should beguile you from the simplicity of Christ. There's a way, when your mind begins to, to interact with glories of the world, you start, can start seeing your friends who are, the, who are taking the simple life as backward. Backward, unexposed, and all of those things. It's the world that gives you a feeling that the simplicity of Christ and the simpleness of the things of the kingdom is not enough. 
is the world that does that. Praise God. When it comes to even, amen. I was speaking to somebody about, you know, you know that, and that's the problem with Christianity. We don't understand. That's why if you are just being religious, you can never detect the world. You won't know when, you won't know where worldliness starts. It's a sight that, that shows you, ha, ah, this is actually the world. This one is worldly. I was talking to someone, we're talking about the difference between being diligent, as me as a young person, in your whatever you find yourself, and being ambitious. A normal eye, religious eye, can't see the difference. A normal eye will, will, will make you feel like it's okay that God requires you in your place of work or in your industry or whatever to always go, be the top, get to the peak. The top is for you. Uh, praise God. But the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? And that has become a common language. You will be the head, you will not be the tail. How long have you been in that position? How long have you been in that job? How long have you, why have you, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you seeing those language? Those are talk from the pit of hell that they preach on pulpit. It's from the deepest, the pits of hell. Because those are the glories of the world. Right? No, I just, <laughs> you know, I started this job and I only spent just, just two months there and then I moved over. You say, okay, what's the next goal? What's the next level? What's the next thing? Have you bought a house? Have you, have you, oh, you bought one house. Oh, one house. Oh, how, how, how long have you had it? Oh, okay. Have you thought about buying maybe re- more renting? Are you getting what I'm saying? That the one you have is not enough. That being okay with that one is not good. It's not, it's, 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 you must, that is a lie. There's no, show me, show me where it's in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach you that. The New Testament doesn't teach you that. Rather, the Bible says, be, comf- be what? content with what things soever ye have. So rather, what you should teach young people is this. Don't be lazy. That's the one that Paul taught. Don't, if you don't work, how will you eat? How will you give? Find a job. You must work. And if you are working, whatever your hand finds to do, do it well. Doing whatever your hand finds to do well has nothing to do with becoming the manager or the CEO. They have nothing to do with each other. I just but it takes a sight to see that. Normally it seems like, wow, so... Being diligent means going for the next thing and all that. Well, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's, a, it's the world that is painting that thing to you. The Bible says it. Desiring to be rich is worldly. Let me say that clearly. 
Are you getting me? Desiring to be rich. Like, so it's not it's that the desire is to be rich. As a goal, being rich as a goal is not right. According to the New Testament, it is worldly. Am I saying that you, will not be, you can't be rich? No. If you want to be rich, let God bring it. Let God bring it. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's the, the desire to be rich. He said it to Timothy that those who will be rich, what would you say will happen to them? I know the end of it, they will end up piercing their souls with many. Let's read it. That's, is it first or second? First Timothy chapter, chapter six, verse nine. Praise God. Okay, let's read from verse six. First Timothy chapter six. Amen. Amen. I, I need to say this because many of us are in that age right now where people have different ideas about what you should, you should do with your life. But, but your heart needs to be established. Praise God. It says godliness with contentment. Are you seeing that? So the gain of godliness is when you are godly with contentment. You can't be, be gainful in godliness if you are not content. Amen. So, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith let us be there with what? Content. Simple. It's not, it's very plain language. You can eat, you eat. Then raiment means you have clothes. Also, raiment can also include you have where to stay because you are sheltered. You have food and raiment. Then you should be content with that. It says, but they that will be rich... So the reason they use will be rich means that those who have the will to be rich, those who have will to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That, you see, the desire, I want to be rich, doesn't have any other end. This is the end. If God doesn't stop you by mercy or something doesn't stop you, if you have a desire to be rich and you're pursuing that desire, this is where it ends up. Because money itself is unrighteous. Jesus called it the unrighteous mammon. Are you getting me? It's unrighteous by itself. That's why it can lead to destruction and perdition. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after. So it means to covet after money is wrong. They have heard from the faith. Do you see that? And pierce themselves through with what? Many sorrows. Amen. Let me tell you one, one thing about money. There's no money that's just out there. Any money that comes to you came from somebody. So, the, so every desire to be rich is covetousness. It means that this wealth that others have, you want to what? You want to, because money is actually an artificial thing. 
Are you getting me? So it's that your covetousness is not maybe to work or to be productive, that you just want money. Are you understanding me? Is either money or anything that is a currency in the natural, like fame, like influence, affluence, all of those things, desiring those things, is not, you know, because those things are carrying on them glories, which are, you don't know what are in those things and the impact those things have. So, so your job is simple. Find something to do and do it well. It's not complex. Find something to do. You check. There are things God has given you grace for, natural aptitude for. Okay? Not, praise God, not every Christian has the aptitude to be a CEO. God did not put that ability in every Christian. Okay, let me say, in a, Christ, in a job now, everybody's a Christian. Should you all be the CEO? If you are all the CEO, who will open the door? Who will clean the ground? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So the key is find where God, the gifting God has given you. Find the place where it works and do it well. That's all you need to do. In doing it well, if promotion comes and God wants you to accept it, you accept it. The reason why promotion will come to you naturally is because something has discovered that you have the ability to operate in a different place. And, when you, and if promotion comes to you that you are not qualified to do, don't take it. It's not from God. You get what I'm saying? Christians do all kinds of things, and they come and give testimony. A job there, you go and lie there. You, some people can put things in their resume they, didn't, they haven't done. By the time you get there, pressure everything to perform in a place. All kinds of crazy things. And when you can come and give testimony in church, oh, praise God. I wasn't qualified for this thing, but God. <laughs> but you just took somebody else's job. Ambition. Ambition. It's not right, it's wrong. Anybody that comes to you and telling you as a young person you should be like that, or you are, they are talking, just know that that's Satan's mouth. Just look at, that's the mouth of Satan. I don't care who they are. I don't care who they are. Nobody should pour a fire of ambition into you that will take away from where you ought to sow your life, which is into the things of God and into the things of the Spirit. Praise God. Are you seeing that? The Lord wants to deliver us from all the encumbrances. The, the things that make our heart not flow with the, the joy of the kingdom. That makes us not able to hope in the glory of God. You know, there's a hope for the glory which ought to come to 
which ought to be present in every single heart is the hope. The hope for the glory is the hope that a soul has in things that are not of this world. Praise God. Do you remember when he spoke about your faith, your, your trial, why it's being tried with fire? It will be found in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Amen. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes. And when it's tried with fire, it will be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearance of what? Whom have you not seen? Or yet rejoice in you. Yet believing, you rejoice with what? Joy unspeakable. And then what? Full of glory. You rejoice with joy unspeakable. And what? Full of glory. Amen. Praise God. That joy unspeakable, full of glory, is the... You see, they, they put that glory in the New Testament. They always put glory and suffering together. Glory and glory and check it, check it. If you suffer with him, you'll be glorified with him. What they tie God's glory to is situation that involves them removing the comfort of life, of the natural to you or in your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because it's hard to make a soul hope in the glory of God when you are enjoying other things. You, are, you, you don't wear two clothes at once. When you wear one cloth, praise the Lord, like I'm wearing this jacket right now, I, there's nothing inside me that needs another jacket at this moment. I mean right now, right now. If you come to me and wear me another jacket on top of this one, it's become a problem. It's become a burden. I have to remove it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So God does not wear his glory on a soul that is enjoying the glories of the world. The soul must be detached from all that things and come and become single. Have a single eye. It's such a heart that now gains the strength to do what? Rejoice with that joy unspeakable, full of glory. A heart that is encumbered with so many things, like Jesus said to Martha, that you are encumbered with so many. When you are encumbered with so many things, you won't find that. You see, there's a joy of the feet. Where Mary was sitting, where she found that one thing that's needful. Say needful. That one thing that's needful, sitting at the feet of Jesus. There is a joy, it's a secret joy that's in that feet, that... Unless you sit at that place and hear those words and your heart is full of the things, the, the feeling, the, the, the fullness of joy that the words of Jesus brings, you can't know that there's something secret at that place. Praise God. God wants to clothe our souls with his glory. Righteousness has a glory. That glory, when the world sees it, they know that this thing is glorious. The way you can see the glory of the world, the world can also see 
they can be a manifestation of the glory of God. Not, we're not just talking about glory manifesting later on in the future. We're talking about both in this present life. That one, what God has, the Bible says that we have been called to the obtaining of the glory of God. Have you read that before? To the obtaining of the glory. To obtain, when you obtain that glory, and this is what God wants to do. When he says that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that God wants souls that can have enough appetite and need for his glory to look for it and bring that glory to the earth. That that glory must be seen upon the earth. Are you getting what I'm saying? The glory of God must be what? Must be seen. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I don't think you're hearing me. I don't think you get what I'm saying. That glory is the glory of the latter house. In the book of Hosea, when they, they, were, they were charged to build the temple, and he was telling them that this, the, the, the latter house shall be better than the former. The earth has only seen the former glory. I'm talking about the glory of the church. The earth hasn't seen the latter glory. He said, that glory of the latter house. Say the latter house. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former. It shall, it shall be a different kind of glory entirely. Because it will be the glory, the glory of God. And Paul would say, he that will glory. Paul was speaking about boast. I, don't, I won't boast on all these things anymore. I can't boast on my, who I am, my, 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 my <clears throat> praise God, being a Jew, my boast in the law, my pedigree, my education. No. But rather, I will boast in the Lord. Paul was seeking, he discovered there was another kind of glory that a man can wear upon the earth. It's called the glory of righteousness. That righteousness, he said, in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be glorious. That branch, the branch that will stretch out, the branch that God has, has raised, amen, will carry glory upon the earth. That the same kind of way that the world seeks to cover a soul and give a soul a clothing, righteousness can become a shelter and a glory and a covering for a soul upon the earth. I don't know if I've, I've said something to us today. The Lord is preparing his people for times of great glory. That he became him by whom and for all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. I used to, how many sons will come to glory? Many. Now, bringing you to glory is not taking you to heaven. They're talking about while you are here on the earth. While you are here on the earth, you'll be seeing sons being brought to glory. People being brought to glory. I want to arrive at that glorious place. Where my soul wears the glory of God. Where my, you know, my sense of covering. You know how men seek covering on the earth? Men take shelter in their degrees, in their houses, in their, in their profession. Take shelter in natural things. That what makes a man come out and in the public is not, not ashamed. Uh, praise God. He knows that anywhere I go to, I can interact. I have something to bring to the table. Sometimes education puts that on a person. Where do you walk? What do you do? Your profession. Those are clothes are wearing. Those are the things. When you see men walking on the street and they are walking okay, there's something, there's a glory that they have. Something is giving them the confidence. 
What I'm saying is that there will be a time men will be walking with the glory of God. That the shelter that they are wearing is not in anything else. When you check what is their confidence, where, what is their, their covering, what is their garment, they would have, they would have purchased priestly garment. A virtue of work. Remember how they said they, God put, told Moses that they should make garment unto the priest and that garment should be for glory and for beauty. Glory and beauty. I said the, the glory of God and the beauty of God will come upon you. You will wear it. You will wear it. You will wear it. You will wear it. It doesn't come in one day. It doesn't come in one day. But as, many, as long as the power is coming and you are yielding to the power, it's just a matter of time. You will be brought to glory. Sons will be brought to glory. I'm seeing also the glory resting upon the church. That the church which was disdained before will become the center of glory. When you, when you bring all the glories of the world, everything men are going after, their status and all, and you match it with the glory of the church in the latter days, you can't match them. The, the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 2 shall be fulfilled. And that, that time... The, that the, the house of the Lord shall be set above all the mountains of the world, and then all nations will begin to flow into it. They will say, come ye, come let us go to the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, for he will teach us his way, and he will cause us to, what? to walk in his path. So shall it be. Amen. I pray that, pray that those of us who have had privilege to those ways, that the Lord will begin to create just a pure appetite. A pure desire for righteousness. Father, we thank you today. We bless your holy name. We give all the glory to you. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for great deliverances which you are bringing upon our heart, upon our soul, tearing down constructs of Satan, worldly constructs, Opening and shedding veils and breaking veils and breaking everything that has, that has shielded and veiled our sight and our imagination from the true hope, the true hope, which is the hope of your glory. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will begin to furnish every heart with the, the motivation, the desire, the need, oh God, Father, to be clothed with this glory. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that access, Lord, to the things of the kingdom. I pray that you will begin to grant unto us and move every soul into seasons of preparation. That we will gain all the preparation. And when it's time for the glory to come, Father, within every heart, every soul, you will find the stature, you will find the image that that glory should rest upon. The same way the house was built in the wilderness. It was completed. And when it was done, the glory moved. And the glory came. And the glory came to recite. Father, I pray, O oh God, that your glory shall be resident upon us. The prophecy of Isaiah chapter 60 shall come to pass. We will arise. We will shine for our light 
has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. For I pray, Lord, let your power be mighty to dislodge and to break every, Lord, operation and framing of power. That from now on, the world will no longer be powerful in us. But Father, we will come into the kingdom. We will come into the times. We will come into the season. All the times and seasons you've kept, Lord, in your own power. I pray in the name of Jesus, our soul will gain access to it. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Between the cherubim shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim shine forth.